Good evening. Good evening. How are you guys? Hey, I got I to gotta talk to the stand person. I think this must be a practical joke. You guys see how I always get the wobbly one? It's like I'm always preaching like, there's turbulence. I mean, there's seatbelts up here. But uh, hey, my name is Sam. I'm the youth pastor here. Glad to see you. Uh, I see some new faces. And so if I don't know you, come up and introduce yourself. I'd love to, to meet you, learn your name, connect you to some other people. And so, um, man, it is good to be here. I've, uh, I've missed you guys for the last couple weeks. I, uh, I actually was up north in Yakima. I don't know if you guys know, but I was getting ordained. Uh, I was going to, to, to a couple different ceremony things. And then last week I graduated. And so, man, I'm so glad to have my high school diploma, finally. <laughs> I mean, how many people on the 15-year plan, right? 15-year plan for high school? Yeah, man, about time. So, uh, no, seriously, man, I don't, I don't know how this works, but have you ever been complimented, and then you walk away saying, was that a compliment, right? My wife spoke last week. <laughs> how many people came up to me, Sam, your wife was, oh, she did so good. Why doesn't she speak every week? And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Huh? <laughs> Thank you? Right? Sam, oh, your wife was so good, man. I just, how come she's not our youth pastor? Well, time out here. Sam, you stink. I'm like, wait a minute, time out here. <laughs> the youths are no longer backhanded. They're pretty fronthanded. So uh, anyway, it is good to be back. It's good to be back. Um, question for you. How many road trippers do we have in here? Road trippers. You've been on a road trip. Okay, how many of you have been on road trips with your family growing up or, or maybe even now? All right. You guys like them? No. <laughs> hey, every middle child in the room right now just said, I hate road trips. Because how many people are stuck in the middle seat? Yep. Right? You, there's not a vote, right? You don't get to draw straws. You're like, hey, you're the middle, or you're the baby of the family. You get the middle of the seat. How many people, you get stuck in the middle? Yep. Yep. Can I tell you the truth? I never sat in the middle a day in my life. How many oldest borns in here? You know what I'm saying? Front seat. Yeah, right? Your front seat. The baby's like, how come Sam always gets to sit in there for shut up? That's how I do it. But I don't want to shut up. All right, fine. All right? Road trips. How many people have ever been on a road trip for two hours? At least two hours. Hands up high. High. You've driven somewhere at least two hours. All right, keep them up. Keep them up. Four hours. Six hours. Oh, we got some road trippers here. Eight hours. Ten hours. Shut up. Where are you guys driving? To the North Pole? Twelve hours. Oh, we got some liars up in here. Lord, help them. Fourteen hours. Sixteen hours? Where have you been? East Coast to West Coast. East Coast to West Coast? All right, all right, all right. How many people more than 20 hours trip in a car? Oh, man. All right. Everybody give it up for those people because they're crazy. 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 You know how it is when you go on a road trip, right? You know how it is to where all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're in the back seat and it's like there's lines drawn everywhere, right? I remember with my sisters, I'm like, don't you see the wall? Right? And it's like, you can't touch me. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, you're sitting there, and you start having these, like, if I have to sit in the back seat, we're going to get along just fine, as long as you don't cross this line. And then their elbow's there, and you're, like, snugging each other. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody have horrible experience with road trips? Oh, yeah. You barf a ram. How many people have thrown up in a car? I don't want to know about it. Okay. 
Moving on. But you got thrown up on. Man. All right. True story. Here we go. Here we go. True story. True story. We were on a road trip from New York City to upstate New York. All right. So four-hour road trip with our camping group. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Not bad. The ride up there, beautiful scenery. We got the trees doing the thing with the leaves color. We got the windows open, fresh air, right? Way back, you haven't showered for about three days. And someone decides to poop their pants in the car. No, it was not me. No joke. No joke. It's one of those things where it's like, you know when you're like, you got that face and you're just like. But then after like three seconds, five seconds tops, it goes away and you're like, all right. I see how we do it in here. Three seconds, five seconds, 60 seconds. You're like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm." I'm not opening my mouth, right? And I remember we were in one of those 15-seater vans. I'm sitting in the back, and so it's like, you know, it's like all the streams coming. And I remember we had one of those vans, the, it was the camping group, we had one of those vans where the windows don't come down, like, zzz. they have the little, like, suction cup that goes, that's not a window. It literally was like, zzz. like, it got like an inch, and I remember for the last hour and a half, like, I started crying, it just, like, I was like, just stop the car. And everybody thought that it was me that pooped the pants. And I was like, it's not me. They're like, and I'm crying. So they're thinking, oh, look at the little eighth grader. He pooped his pants and I feel bad. I'm like, I'm not crying because of what's in my pants. I'm crying because of what's in my nose. And so I remember just sitting there in the corner of the back seat. And I just like stick my entire nose out the little crevice. And I literally sat like this for an hour and a half. Talking about road trips. Talking about road trips. Just takes one to ruin it, right? Hey, four hours, it's all fun and games until someone poops their pants. That's my theory, right? That's my philosophy. And so today, friends, students, today we are beginning a road trip. We are beginning a new journey. And like every journey, like every road trip, no matter how long it is, no matter how short it is, no matter how many pooped pants are in the car, you can guarantee yourself one thing. When you get to the end, you're different, right? When you get to the end, you are in a different place. Geographically, duh, right? Physically, <laughs> you know when you like pull up to a gas station, you can always tell who's on a long road trip, right? You're in a gas station, you see somebody come out of the car and they're just like, hairs everywhere, and you're like, oh yeah, they're road tripping it, right? You ever see somebody come out of the car? It's like, if you, there's only two ways to come out of the car if you're road tripping it, right? You're either the dude that comes out and you're like looking like you're walking for the first time, right? You're like, or you're the one sprinting, racing someone else to the bathroom, right? I mean, you're just different. At the end of a road trip, it's different. Geographically, physically, even emotionally. Depending on how many siblings are in the car, <laughs> you're very different emotionally, right? And so we're beginning a new road trip today. We're beginning a journey. And you know where we're going? Wait for it. The book of Philippians. And so we are going to begin a 12-week road trip. All of you people who have been on like 20-hour-plus road trips, there's going to be nothing for you, all right? Because I'm going to start now. We're going to finish it in four weeks. So you're skipping class um, like through the night. Can we do that? Yeah. All-nighters? Yes. Yes. So here's what we're doing. We're doing a 12-week road trip. And like every road trip ever, this is my prayer, that by the time we get to the end, we're different. 
My prayer is that each and every single one of you, by the time we get to the end of this journey, you are in a different place spiritually, emotionally, maybe physically, but I don't really care about that one, all right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through, and um, the book of Philippians, how, how many people enjoy Philippians? Hands. Dude, Philippians is my favorite book. It's literally, it's literally falling out of my Bible. Like, the pages move, right? Philippians is one of those, one of those books where um, there's a lot of what I call tattoo verses. You guys remember when I talk about tattoo verses? You're like, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's on my bicep. I read it every time I'm in the gym, all right? All things. Another tattoo verse, right? For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Money symbols, right? <laughs> Don't do that one. There's a lot of, like, Philippians, you're going to see, guys, as we go through the book of Philippians, you're going to come on, like, mad verses that you're like, oh, yeah, I love that one. Oh, yeah, I love that one. But because we're going verse by verse, you're going to see the context of those verses, Okay? You're going to see what Paul meant when he said it and what he was talking about in that context. And so, like I said, we're going to get to the end and we're going to change. How many of you want to be the same forever? Yeah. Bummer. Tell your wife that. My husband's 40 years old and he's still 16, right? Do not be a 16-year-old in a 40-year-old's body, right? Bad idea. But how many of you, honestly, how many of you guys want to be different maybe a few months from now? You want to be more mature? How many of you want to be more mature a year from now, right? Good. How many people say, I want to have a lifestyle of constantly growing? Dude, for real, that's what's up. And so the way that we do that here at Citizens, we go through the Bible, and we're going to go verse by verse, and we're humbly going to say this, God, change me. And so each week, friends, as we do this, I want you to do this. I want you to bring your Bibles. How many people have their Bibles? Yo, bring your Bibles, all right? We're going to have one of those, like, we should have one of those Bible linebackers, right? It's like, oh, I left my Bible at home. Boom, right? Blown up. Never again, right? Yo, so listen, bring your Bibles. Um, I got, there's sermon notes here for you guys. I put together a little cheat sheet. So for those of you who have never read Philippians, or even if you have, there's a little cheat sheet on the inside, notes on the back. And so this is what I want you to do. Everybody sit up. Everybody sit up. Everybody sit up right now. Sit up, sit up, sit up. Now sit forward. Now sit forward, right? You're on the edge of your seat. That's what I want, all right? This is what I want. As we go through, listen, as we go through Philippians, mark up your Bibles. Write down notes. Let's get it, all right? Let's see what God would say to us, and what are we going to do about it? Sounds good? How many people are ready for a road trip? Are you ready for a road trip? Hey, good news. There's no middle seats here. No middle seats on this. All the middle schoolers are like, fine, I'm in. All right, so here we go. We're going to begin our road trip. We are in the book of Philippians, starting with the first two verses. Title of the message today is From Servants to Saints. Let's read. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at it again. Look at the first part of our first verse. And we're paying attention here because this is important, right? Let's respect this. This is God's word. First, first, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So right away we see that Philippians is actually not a book, is it? Philippians isn't really a book. It's more of a what? It's a letter. 
he starts off identifying himself, who he is. So in the ancient world, the way that you would begin a letter is right off the bat, you would say, here's who I am. Right off the bat, you would identify who you are. If you think about it, that's actually a really good way of doing it. <laughs> it's actually the opposite in America. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed, you get a letter, right? It's like, dear Sam, how are you? I'm good. How is your mother? She's doing good, thanks for asking. Hey, I heard about your graduation. Wait, who is this? Who are you? And you're like, I don't, I don't know. I have to wait till I get to the end, I'll keep reading. I have a secret to tell you. I like secrets, what's the secret? But can you keep it? I don't even know who you are. You guys don't have this experience when you're reading letters? Like, and finally it's like, you get, oh, you get text messages, <laughs> yeah, all right. Old school letters, back in my day, we wrote letters, right? Like, I'm not that old, all right, you guys know what letters are. You get to the letter and it's like, I have a crazy secret to tell you. I have a million dollars for you, come see me. Who are you? The suspense is killing me when I read a letter. I think it would be a lot better if we wrote letters like these people. Right off the bat, they are answering the question. Hey, Paul and Timothy. Glad I got that one out of the way, right? Thank you. Imagine if he would wrote the whole letter and then he like saved it for the end and then that part got cut off. <laughs> Any like type A people in here that would be like super like, who wrote the book, man? All right? That's why I don't read Hebrews. Just a joke, all right? So anyway, so Paul and Timothy, they start off the letter and they are answering the question, who are you? Students, how do you answer the question, who are you? Oh, I mean, I'm Isaac, duh. No, 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 that's not what I mean. Who is Isaac? Who is Haley? Who is Brianna? Who is Jason? Who are you? When, the, when I ask you that question, guys, listen, when I ask you that question, what I mean is, what is that person all about? What defines that person? Who are you? How many of you guys would answer that question the way that I would, based on what you do? Anybody like that? Do you, any of you guys tend to answer the question based on kind of like what you do and what your activities are? Oh, I, I'm a rugby player. That's who I am. I'm a rugby player. I'm not, all right? This is an example, all right? I'm a writer. I'm a football player. I'm a musician. No, no, I'm a volleyball player. I'm an artist. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm a financial consultant. I mean, don't, do you guys, do you guys notice this? How often do we identify ourselves based on what we do. Anybody like that? You guys all may answer that question differently. Listen to this, you, you all may answer the question differently. I'm a volleyball player, I'm a football player. It, it, it all may be different, but here's the point. Your answer reveals how you identify yourself. Who are you? Your answer reveals the thing that you say best defines you. And so notice how Paul and Timothy answer the question, who are you? Who are you? They come to the part of the letter where writers identify themselves and look what they say. They don't identify themselves in terms of their career. Paul and Timothy, tent makers of the Northern Asia, right? Paul and Timothy, teachers, 
of the awesome faith. No, no, they don't identify themselves. They, they don't even do it the way that a lot of writers did in this day. They don't do it based on who their father is. My name is Timothy, son of Thrain. My name is Paul, son of Thor, son of Hercules and Bob, right? Thanks for quoting answers to me. That was awesome, right? They don't identify themselves on those things. Look what they say, friends. The thing that defines them, the way that they answer the question, who are you, is what? Their relationship to Jesus Christ. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. He says, okay, okay, okay. You want to know who we are? Okay, okay, okay. You want to know what I'm about? We are the ones who have given our entire lives to spreading the good news about Jesus Christ. You want to know who we are? We are the ones who have become servants of Christ so that the whole world will know who Jesus is. That's who we are. Why would anybody define themselves this way? They're, he's defining himself based on, who, on his relationship with Jesus. Why? Students, do you know who Jesus is? Do you know who Jesus is? He is Jesus Christ is God in flesh. And he's already shown you how much he loves you by coming to earth to save you by dying in your place so that you could live forever with him. And so guys and girls, listen, when you experience that love, when you see the love of God, you start to realize that life without it is not even living at all. You start to realize who Jesus is and how awesome he is and how full of love he is, that you start to realize if I don't know him, life is not even considered living. And so here are these two grown men. These are grown men. They're not in youth group, doing what their mommy says. These are grown men, and they're convinced of this truth. So much so that when they define themselves, they do it in terms of their devotion to Christ. They do it in terms of their commitment to spreading the news of Jesus everywhere they go. And so here's what I want. I want Paul and Timothy's example here to make you guys ask the question, who are you? How do you identify yourself? What's the thing that best defines you? Who are you? Let's keep reading. This letter is written <clears throat> by servants of Christ, but look who it's written to, okay? To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. So number one, this letter is written from servants of Christ. Number two, this letter is written to saints in Christ. For those of you taking notes, that's the second point. The letter is written to saints in Christ. You guys know what a saint is? Besides Mother Teresa, do you know what a saint is? Here's what a saint is. It's super simple. A saint is someone who has been set apart for God's use and purposes. Let me say that again, okay? A saint is someone, it's on the screen, a saint is someone who has been set apart for God's use and purposes. And so Paul says, hey, yo, Paul and Timothy, we're servants of Jesus. I'm writing to all the saints that are in Philippi. 
So that means the people in Philippi, they must have been like super Christians, right? Right, guys? The people in Philippi, they must have been like, they must have done like a ton of stuff to get to this elite status. You guys, you guys agree with that? They're saints, guys. These must be super Christians. These are people that they probably like don't even like touch the floor when they walk. You know what I mean? Like this is how I walk. I'm like all goofy and I'm walking. And they're just like, super Christian. Saint. They're the kind of people that like when they turn, like all their clothes flow, even if they're tight. You know what I mean? It's like, right? That's what Philippi was, right? He's talking to the saints in Philippi. So is that what Philippians were like? Should we sit here and go, man, I'm never going to be like the Philippians. (laughs) They were super Christians. No, friends. Do you think that's what it is? Do you think that they had to reach some enlightened status? Sam, you're the preacher. Stop asking us questions and tell us answers. (laughs) All right, fine. (laughs) Here's the reality. Here's the point. They're not saints because of what they've done. They're not saints because they're super. They are saints because they are in Christ. Look at the text. Look what it says here. To all the saints in Christ. They're not saints because of who they are. They're not saints because they have a sinless past. They're not saints because they're perfect and they always go to youth group and they memorize every scripture in the Bible. No, they're saints because of their connection to Jesus Christ. And so friends, can we talk real here for a second? Let's talk here, right? Middle schoolers, high schoolers. How often do people identify other people? How often do you identify other people based on their mistakes, based on their sins, based on their past. Sometimes we even identify ourselves. Sometimes when we look in the mirror, all we can see are are our mistakes and what we've done and how we'll never measure up. But Paul, friends, when he looks at them, he doesn't see their past. He doesn't see their mistakes. He's not looking at their record. And we need to pay attention to this example, friends, because we cannot act like that in the family of God. We can't interact with one another and place labels and say, you know what, when I look at you, in my mind, really, this is what I think of you. And when I look at you and you look at me and when I look at myself, there's so many labels that I go, that's who she is. And we define ourselves, we define each other. We identify one another sometimes as our mistakes. Oh, he's stupid. Oh, she's easy. Oh, he's a liar. Oh, yeah, dude, he's like an addict. And we look at the sins of our, of our even in our own family here, as Christians, but we see from Paul that is not how we are to interact as the family of God. Are you hearing me? Yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, you have sinned against God and each other, friends. I'm not saying that you haven't. We know that we're not perfect. But when you surrender your life to Jesus, it's like God takes you and he attaches you to him. Your past no longer defines you. You no longer need to identify as your mistakes. When you surrender your life to Jesus, God takes you and he puts you in Christ. You see this? See the hand? You are in Christ. Who is Christ? Well, he was perfect. 
He obeyed the Father perfectly. He was sinless. And so what Paul is saying here is that when you are in Christ, the Father, he no longer sees your past. He no longer sees your sin. He only sees Jesus. That's your identity. That's how you're defined. And so much so that the, that the Father can now look at you and say, I'm going to take your life and use you for a very special purpose to glorify my name. You are a saint. Not only does Paul define himself in terms of his relationship to, fa- the fa- relationship to God, he defines you. He defines his audience based on their relationship to Christ. And so friends, here's what I want you to understand. When you become a Christian, when you surrender your life to Jesus, it is so much more significant than changing your religious affiliation. It's so much bigger than going from, yeah, I never went to church, or now I go to church. No, it's so much bigger than that. Your entire life, who you are, what defines you is completely different. Who are you? Who are you? This letter is written from servants of Christ. This letter is written to saints in Christ. And now look at the final part of our passage here. Because it's written from servants to saints, they can now greet each other with grace and peace. Look what he says, verse 2. You looking at it? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace belong to those in Christ. Do you know that? Grace and peace belong to those in Christ. Now think about this. Where you stand determines on whether or not you can have peace, right? If you're standing in the middle of a train track and the freight train is coming, you don't have peace, okay? If I'm standing here in the middle of the room and the beam is falling and you look at me in the eyes and go, Sam, peace, brother. No! <laughs> if I'm standing in the middle of I-5 and there's a uh-uh coming right down there, I'm not going to sit there and go, just have peace. <laughs> you can't lie about peace. You can't tell people that you can just have peace. Peace is determined based on where you stand. So because Paul and the audience, because Paul and the Philippians are standing in Christ, Paul can genuinely greet them with grace and peace. And he says, hey, you know what? Because you're in Christ, you can know grace. Hey, students, you can know grace because grace and peace belong to those in Christ. You can experience what it feels like to receive kindness and goodwill, and affection of a God, even though you don't deserve it. Do you know what grace is? Have you ever been in trouble, and you've received mercy, and you're like, wow, I dodged a bullet? Have you ever been undeserving of something, and out of nowhere, someone comes and says, hey, just because I love you, and they give you something? Man, that's grace. You don't deserve it, and you get it anyway. And then there's peace. Friends, those of you in Christ, you can know peace. Life isn't perfect. Life is hard. Sometimes family life is hard. There's stress and anxiety and depression, and sometimes we feel like the walls in life are caving in. 
But Paul says, even in the midst of that, if you're in Christ, you can peace. Not because everything is perfect, but because God has already interrupted history and he's bringing an end to darkness and sadness and sin. And guess what? You're connected to him. Grace and peace belong to those who are in Christ. Sometimes I read Paul's letters and I think that he's just kind of doing the rhetoric, right? Grace and peace, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, now the real stuff, right? No, I don't think he's doing that here. He says, hey, citizens, grace and peace, those are yours. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, you can know grace and peace. And what I want you guys to do is as you experience anxiety, as you experience stress, as you go through difficulties in life, as you sense depression creeping in on your soul, you can take a moment and reflect. You can take some time and remember, hey, I, know, I can know grace and peace. And so here's how we're going to end today, friends, all right? I want to ask you the question, who are you? What defines you? Guys, how do other people define you? And here's some, here's some common ways, guys. Here's some common ways that people like to define us. Here's some common ways that when we look in the mirror, we tend to define ourselves. These are the ways that when we look at other people, <laughs> we write them off in our minds or we make judgment calls or we place labels on them. Here's some examples. My achievements. If I say to you, who are you? You go, oh, I, I know who I am. I'm, I'm my grades. And a lot of people look at you and they go, dude, you're so smart. You're so motivated. But you know that deep down in your heart, you're actually doing it because you identify yourself based on your achievements, based on your grades, based on how fast you can run, based on whatever achievements there are with school or sports. I am my achievements. That's who I am. How about my relationships? It's so easy. We identify ourselves as based on our relationships, maybe with girlfriends or boyfriends, maybe with how many friends we have, maybe our popularity, but there's something inside of us sometimes that says, hey, you know who I am? I'm, I'm, I'm defined based on who's around me. You ever find yourself at home and you have FOMO? You guys know what FOMO is, right? You guys don't know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out, dude. How many of you sit at home and you're restless? You're just sitting here going, I know everybody's out there hanging out with each other except for me, right? I know everybody's out there having fun right now and they just didn't invite me, right? Because we look at ourselves and we identify ourselves based on who's around us. Who are you? I'm my relationships. Other people tend to identify themselves based on their family, right? For some people, this is good or bad. My race, oh, we're, I'm Italian, oh, I'm Puerto Rican, oh, I'm Jamaican, whatever the nationality is. You're like, are we at camp? Oh, my gosh. I'm not all those things. I used to tell people I'm 50% Irish, 50% Italian, and 50% Puerto Rican. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, dude. What a fun mix. And then I, and then I just walk away, and I'm like, idiot, right? No, I didn't do that. But family. Some of us come from broken homes. 
Some people, you have single moms, or you don't, you've never met your dad in your life, or you have blended families, and sometimes inside of you, you almost feel a little bit bad about it. And you go, man, is that who I am? I'm, I'm just my family? Am I, is that all who I am? Or, or, or maybe the social status, oh, we're rich, we don't have a lot of money, who are you? Oh, I'm the poor guy. I'm the guy who has a lot of money. Whatever it is, we can identify ourselves based on that. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but how about our past? Sometimes we become so debilitated, we become so paralyzed by mistakes that we've made. We become so consumed by where we've come from and, our, and, and all these mistakes and, and sins, and we just can't move on, that when we look in the mirror, all we see is this big label, I am my past. That's what defines me. What I do, that's a big one. I'm a rugby player, I'm a volleyball player, I'm an artist, I'm a musician. That's who I am. I'm a pastor. I am nothing more than the sum of my activities. And then finally, my sexuality. This is everywhere these days. How do you identify yourself, right? I have family members who are, who are lesbian. And I, every time I talk to her, it's interesting, because she doesn't say, I practice lesbianism. She doesn't say, I'm attracted. She goes, I am a lesbian. And I go, that's, I, why do we identify ourselves as our sexuality? So you mean that the, the whatever is going on in your head, and your heart, whatever attractions you have, that's who you are? That's the thing that best defines you? Friends, I don't identify myself as a heterosexual. I am a heterosexual. No, no, I am, well, we'll get there, how I define myself and how I, how I identify myself. But friends, you don't need to fall into the trap in local schools of, well, how do you identify? Well, I'm this, I'm this. No, 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 you know what? Let's, be, let's do away with that. That is not what defines us. We are more than our sexuality. We are more than what we do. I'm not, that's not who I am, that's what I do. This is who I know, not who I am. This is where I'm from, not who I am. This is what I've accomplished, not who I am. This is what I've done, not who I am. Friends, what I want us to do tonight is this, all right? There's sticky notes inside of, your, inside of your notes there. You can take those out. And as Mikey comes up, we're gonna get ready to respond. And here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. I want you guys, look at these, think of your own, but what are the ways that you tend to identify yourself? What are the ways that you answer the question, who are you? Because friends, here's what we learned from Paul. Students, eyes up here. Here's what we learned from Paul. Christ defines your life. Young men, young men in the room. Christ defines your life. That's who you are. That's the thing that best defines you. More sticky notes. Young ladies, who are you? You're not your sexuality. You're not your past. You're not your achievements. Christ defines you. That is who you are. And so here's what I want right here, friends. Listen to me. We're going on a road trip. We're going on a road trip, and we are not going any further with these labels. We're not going anywhere. 
We're not going to go into week two and week three and week four. We're not going to go down the highway here carrying these labels of how we tend to identify ourselves. We're going to leave them here tonight. Sound good? Can we do that? We're going to leave them here tonight. And as you take a moment and write them down, we'll call you up. And I want you to literally stick them on here. You're going to leave them. And then I'm going to have a couple of youth staffers come up around the communion tables. And we have just a small gift for you tonight. Just a, a small gift to help us get going with our road trip. But I want, you to, I want you to do this. I want us to make an exchange tonight. You're going to turn in one label and you're going to say, this is not how I define myself. This is not who I am. This is not how I identify myself. And then you're going to come over here to communion. And we're going to remember as we hold the elements, Christ defines my life. Christ defines your life. Let me pray. And as I do, you guys can take a moment, fill out those sticky notes. If you have a pen, you can share it with those next to you. But let's respond today. Lord, thank you so much for your word, God. Thank you that Christ defines our life. That when we see each other, when we interact with one another, we don't look at each other's past. We don't look at their achievements. We only see people who are in Christ. Father, I pray for these young men and women that when they look in the mirror, when they look at themselves, they identify themselves based on what Christ has done. I pray that this would be a community that when they interact with each other, God, they would refuse to place labels on each other. They would refuse to define each other. And instead, they would do what Paul did to the Philippians. They would see each other as saints in Christ. God, I pray that you would take these words that I've spoken, that you would bury them deep down, Lord. Bury your word in these people's hearts, God. Bury it in my heart. And I pray that the result, Lord, would be a, a budding tree of fruit. That, Lord, everything that would grow out of our hearts would be fruitful and glorify you, God. Because we don't want to be the same. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.